This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app. And, and, I, I, <laughs> and I am Lawson Walters. <laughs> and beside me is Lyle Southwell. And this is Encounter with God, where we get into our Bible study for the day. We are into the book of Nehemiah, which is just absolutely amazing. And Lawson is going to bring us another clue for our quiz before we get into it. Yes, I am. Who am I? So we know this guy who debated with a group from the synagogue of the freedman. He knows that we know that his clothes were laid at the feet of a man named Saul. And uh, this next one, who am I? I was the first Christian martyr. Okay, if you know the answer to that question, then give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number, and a prize will be coming your direction. There are a number of prizes on the... On the uh, table here that you can get to choose from, including an album, several books, um, yeah, some really amazing stuff. So you get to choose, you get to pick from the pile. If you can uh, answer who this person was, give us a call right now, 1-800-FAITH-FM or 1-800-324-843. I thought Mon was going to call through this morning. Yeah, slack. Mon? Mon. (laughs) Give us a call. We want to know what Sydney's like. Yeah, we want to know what's going on. Anyway, she's slacking off. Uh, okay, so what have, what have we got to talk about this morning? We have a couple of different things we've got to talk about. Um, somebody called through with uh, a comment on in relationship to the piece that we were sharing about sexting mm-hmm. and how sex education is very, very important in our schools and, um, and wanted to bring out the point that teaching morality is actually the best form of sex education. And so sex education for me when I was uh, of that age was very, very simple. Uh, Sex is great. Do it often in a married relationship. True. (laughs) Outside of that, it's going to cause you all kinds of pain and grief. Do you think it was effective? um, I think it was. Yeah. I think it's cool. I think it's the best form of sex education. Um, I I am not opposed to sex education, and mm. you know I, we have to face reality that you know you can tell somebody that this is uh, this is what is the best idea, but a very very large proportion of young people are going to ignore that, and you know they're like, oh, I'm 15 years old, I know better, um, and I can remember going through that stage of being 15 years old and knowing more than my dad. Um, and my teachers and Same. everybody else. <laughs> yeah, a, isn't it awesome? When I'm you, still going through it. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> it's so good when you know so much more than everybody else. Now I'm now I'm 47 years old and I hardly know anything. It's like <laughs> compared to what I knew when I was 15. <clears throat> I do know that my dad knows a lot more now. He's learned heaps since I was 15. You have no idea. It's just it's just mind boggling. <laughs> <laughs> never knew that. Never knew that he could know so much. Um, and so, yeah, the the, the best uh, the best solution here is uh, is to teach Christianity and to teach morality and yeah. to lead people to Jesus. Because you know, when a person comes in contact with Jesus as a young single child, they're not going to want to be involved in sexting. They're mm-hmm. going to want to pursue purity and holiness and morality which will then set them up for a much, no. much happier life. So, yeah, somebody wanted to make that point. I think it's yeah. a very good point. 
and I hope that that has been well made. Mm. But okay. that, uh, just just quickly, that yes. point doesn't take away from the fact that sex education is important, but having it, I think, in the guise of like through through the lens of Christianity and Absolutely. good moral standards, because I know for me. Um, like I went to a Christian school and we had like a guy come in and talk about sex education who openly promoted like the use of pornography and masturbation and like all this stuff, which is so counterintuitive to anything good that could come from sex education. What? Yeah, it was wild. It was like, what? Yeah. This was in a Christian school. At a Christian school. And he promoted? He promote like as in like, not as in. Like he promoted it in the fact that he said that, like it was it was okay to do so, and but like he wasn't like you guys need to do this, but he's like, oh, you know, that's it telling you, that's a release yeah. that you have. But like pornography is harmless. Yeah, basically that's you the point. You have got in- to be joking. How? What kind of a dinosaur is going to look at any kind <laughs> so, of research whatsoever? So yeah, it was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. I mean, there is no research out there these days that is saying that. You know, there we just have a isn't. massive epidemic. Of uh, of young men that are suffering from uh, you know um, ED PID porn induced PIED porn induced erectile dysfunction yeah so you know hey if you're 18 years old and you want to have erectile dysfunction then yeah go for it go for it great idea for you know getting rid of all of your masculinity (laughs) oh yeah rough but it's true but it's true (laughs) seriously we need to stop okay. Um, I just wanted to quickly promote that on our Friday show, our yes. last show ever, unfortunately, but it's going to be amazing. It is going to be so amazing. I hope that you all tune in for our final show of The Breakfast Show. Mm, it is going to be awesome, but I have to promote that on that show, there's going to be a giveaway, and that giveaway is... Ah, we're going to do it live. We're going to reach into the hat live and pull out yes, some names. we're going to pull out some names, give away to a free holiday down to the Alpine, uh, the Adventist Alpine Village in Jindabyne. If you want to be a part of that, um, make sure to give us a call, 1-800-324-843. Be a part of the draw, and you will get, like, this, you know, you have the potential to get a free holiday at the Adventist Alpine Village. And I believe that it's more than one, actually. It's not. It's we're, two. Drawing, we're drawing two. Looking at is producer Shell right now. Shell, are we drawing more than one? We're two. Drawing we're, two. Drawing we're drawing two. two. Names. So send your get get call us now or text us right now. Okay, let me give you these numbers. Get a pen and paper. Get ready to write it down. Ooh, yep. I'll do it slowly for a change. Or get ready to type it into your phone. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. Okay. You got that? 1-800-FAITH-FM is the easy way to remember it. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669 and we will put your name in the hat. There are two names to draw out, so you've got a very good chance of winning it. Uh, send us your details right now. It's awesome. And it's going to be part of our Friday going out with a bang, end of breakfast show, celebration, it's the biggest giveaway that we've ever had here on Faith FM, and our phones are suddenly running hot. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Continue so, to call. Yeah. We've got, we've got more than one phone here. Just give, give us a call or shoot us a text message. We'll get your name in there. Don't worry. Awesome. Even if, even if you ring up and it's like, oh, it's a busy signal, just shoot just us a text going. message. Send us a message on Facebook. Yeah, message us on Facebook. Just get it to us. We want you to be a part of this draw because we want you to win. 
So. Okay, there was something else I had to talk about in this segment. Oh. I can't remember what it was, apart from to give Mon a hard time for not calling us Classic. yet. Classic. Maybe, maybe I should call Mon and see if she's sleeping in on her new job. Sleep. She doesn't have to get up so early anymore. Okay, <laughs> where are we up to? We are in the book of Nehemiah. I yes. love the story of Nehemiah. Man, this guy was hardcore. Yeah. He was a confrontationist. He pulled people's beards out. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. That's awesome. So, um, Lawson, when you uh, become a pastor and all that kind of thing, <laughs> this, is, this is the recommendation of Nehemiah. If your church members become unruly, you pull out their beards. That's just me. That's just how me and Actually, Blake no, you, fight you, each you, other. you don't. You don't pull out their beards. You pluck them out. Oh, that is, that is <laughs> What a reprimand! Like a uh, rebuke. Pff, just pull their beard out. Like <laughs> oh, that's man. in the end of the book. And uh, we actually find that this guy was like he was he was um, he was used by God mm. to do to bring revival to the nation of Israel. A very very mm. powerful way. Okay, so um, we're going to do a bit of a review. Can you just give us the first uh, four verses of Nehemiah, please, there, Lawson? Nehemiah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Yep, good place to start. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. Yep. In late autumn in the month of uh, Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Um, Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about the things, um, about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been opened and have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Okay, so it's a pretty heavy message that he gets from his brother Mm. here. His brother, of course, is down there. And, you know, he's one of the Jews that has stayed back in uh, Persia. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. You know, the Bible often talks about the remnant, the remnant that return to mm. uh, the land of Judah. And the implication that you sometimes feel is that if you did not return, you were obviously a heretic. You had become Babylonianized, you had mm. become assimilated, um, and that all of the righteous people had returned, and that if you were righteous, you would definitely be back there in Jerusalem, building the temple, doing your bit. Uh, but if you stayed in Persia or if you stayed in Babylon, then you know you were an apostate. Mm. We find that this is not actually the case. In fact, as we go through the Bible, we're going to find a number of very, very righteous people who stayed in Persia and who stayed in Babylon and who were not a part of the remnant that returned, which is an interesting implication for the study of the remnant. However, we don't have time to go into that particular study today. What we do find here is Nehemiah. He has a very good reason not to go back in that he is in a power of tremendous influence with the king. He's one of the king's most trusted counselors Mm. because he has been entrusted with the king's cup. And in an era when the only way that an emperor could survive was 
survive was by being constantly paranoid, the cupbearer was literally one of the most uh, trusted positions in the empire. And so Nehemiah, he's risen to this particular post. Um, Jewish people held very high positions within the Persian Empire, and he uh, and and as being a part of this 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 post here, he has you know he's in a position of influence. He has chosen not to go down to Jerusalem, but that does not mean that he is not patriotic, mm. and it especially does not mean that he is not a righteous servant of God. He is definitely a righteous servant of God. Okay, so how does he respond when his brother tells him about what things are like down in Jerusalem? How does he respond? Verse 4. Verse 4. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. That's pretty full-on reaction. Yeah. Somebody comes along and says, yeah, yeah, they haven't finished building it yet. Um, and you have that kind of reaction. This was obviously something that was incredibly close to his heart that he really, really wanted to mm. be a part of, but that he felt that, you know, in the position that he was, the position of trust that he was, that it definitely was not the right time and the right place to be involving himself in uh, what was taking place in Jerusalem. Obviously, his family is because his brother is down there. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, traveling backwards and forwards between these two places. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's deeply, deeply affected by it. Now, we mentioned yesterday um, how this came about when a whole bunch of the enemies of Judah got together to write to Artaxerxes and say, you know, the city's being rebuilt, they're setting up the walls again, uh, they're putting gates up. Uh, if you let the city be rebuilt, it's going to be just a hotbed of rebellion. Mm. And so Artaxerxes, you know, does a search through the records and finds out that, yeah, Jerusalem has a history of being a tremendously rebellious and troublous place. And the last thing he wants is a rebellious city in his backyard. And of course, they've said, they've gone, oh, you'll lose, you'll lose all of the Western, you let the city be rebuilt, you'll lose all of the Western provinces. Mm. They'll form an alliance, you know, they'll form an alliance with Egypt or with, you know, here, there or anywhere. And you'll lose all your Western provinces just by building this one city. And he's like, okay, stop the building of the city. And uh, he um, he he causes the building to come to an end. He uh, and of course the enemies then go down there. They've got a, a document from the empire emperor uh, from the empire to state that they are there to pull down the walls and to burn the gates. And they do just that. So you imagine if you're in a city and you've all been pitching in hard, uh, doing great work, building a temple, and suddenly you get this kind of an experience. How would you feel? Yeah, it'd be it'd be just heart wrenching. You'd be kicked in the guts, mm. and all of your hard work just gets toppled. I think in the text, like although it doesn't go into it, like it implicates when it talks about you know the trouble and disgrace that's come to to Judah. Like obviously that's referencing the gates and the walls being pulled down. But I, I like I would I would uh, assume assume or speculate that there was more going on than that that you know with nehemiah's family living in in jerusalem at the time and whatnot like yeah they're just in a terrible you know state they've they've become a disgrace to the nations among them like they're Mm -hmm. just struggling in every way like just with uh, probably financial troubles and and you know the end, like their enemies pressing in and all that stuff. Like, and so Nehemiah is just, yeah, it's, he has a very personal attachment, not just to Jerusalem being, you know, a city, but to the fact that his people live there and they're suffering so much. Just as we, as we do in Australia, like 
you know, we think of like Black Saturday, like 2000, 2009, like who wasn't crying on that day for, for the nation? Yeah, yeah. And it's like the, probably the same thing is going on in Jerusalem at the time. You know, they're just getting smashed and Nehemiah's just like, oh, no, this is terrible. And what we're going to look at today is his prayer. So the Bible mm. says that he mourned and he wept and he fasted and he prayed to the God of heaven. Mm. Now, we don't know exactly how long he fasted for. Maybe he fasted for as long as you did. Yeah. <laughs> what was it, five days? Five days. That's a pretty full-on fast. Uh, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. It just says for certain days. But it is likely, there is every likelihood that the king actually picked up on like, wait a minute, what's up with Nehemiah? We're going to read mm. more about that as we move on down through. But first of all, we're going to read about his prayer. And his prayer has a number of different aspects to it. Can you read for us verse 5, please? Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Thank you. Let me read it from uh, the KJV right here. and says, He says, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keeps covenant and mercy for those that love him and observe his commandments. And I think that, you know, there's a couple of um, really key thoughts that come out right here. And the first one is mercy. Mm. So he is appealing to God and he's reminding God, hey, God, you're a God of mercy. And mm. we need mercy. And particularly for those who keep your commandments. Mm. Um, the law of God is always, you know, to all of these great men of the Bible, law of God is always front and center right there. Um, and so he doesn't begin with, you know, the Father Christmas prayer. Mm. But he does use a kind of prayer that is not terribly uncommon in uh, biblical times where you find that people kind of hold God to ransom mm. in a kind of a way. It's very Back Dan- him into a corner. It's very Daniel-esque. Yeah, like Dan- and Moses-esque as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a number of people that will back God into a corner. Like, yeah, the point with Daniel is like, basically, God, if you don't restore Jerusalem, you're going to look bad. Uh-huh. Like, he just pushes, like, God into that corner of, like, you're going to look terrible if you don't David help does us. The, uh, David and Asaph do the same thing in the Psalms at times mm. as well. It's like, God, if you don't do this, you're going to look terrible. <laughs> you made a promise. We're holding yeah. you to your promise. And, and, and I think that's the immediate thing that comes up, you know, the God who keeps his covenant. It's like, yes. goes back to the fact that, God, you promised us that we would have lands and be a nation. We'd have lands and descendants and that through us, the whole world would be blessed. Like, you promised us that you have to deliver. Like, that, you know, your promises don't fail. Like, it. keep it, keep deliver it going. Right <laughs> awesome. Verse 6. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family um, and I have sinned. Okay, so what does he start off with here? He just jumps in. He's like, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying day and night. I think he's appealing to the fact that, hey, look, this means a lot to me. I'm dedicated to this. But then I confess that we have sinned. Ah, uh, before we get to the confession, before ooh, we get to the confession, ooh, ooh. I, I want. I want. He's like. He's like. Look. He's like. Look at me. I'm fasting and praying for days. Mm. So does our suffering that we place ourselves in earn us brownie points with God so that He is more likely to hear us? No, I don't think so. 
I, d- I just know, I, like it's not. So why then does God ask us at times to fast and pray? Now, some people will do other things other than fasting and praying. Mm-hmm. Um, in some cultures, they'll beat themselves. In some cultures, they'll do penance. In mm. some cultures, they'll put spikes in themselves. Uh, you know, and there's lots of different things that people do to themselves. Uh, the Bible only talks about fasting and praying, but is doing something to yourself going to earn you favor with God so he's more likely to hear you? Why is it that we fast and no, pray? No, God doesn't need it. I think that's the point. The, the point is that we need to fast and pray Okay, for ourselves. Like, uh, I think, you know... Well, from my uh, from my own personal experience, which we'll get into right after this song. This is Melissa Otto with "You'll Never Leave." I feel like a little girl in this fallen world, and I get terrified unless I know you're with me. It's a troubled place, but there is beauty too. Wherever we have and completely blocked you Daddy, don't go Don't ever leave I need you with me I need you here Father, I know That you'll never go You'll never leave me here I see that we're tired by a lack of love But we keep performing To try to keep up We get so confused Cause we are so lied to Truth gets so hidden And hard to find We weren't made for this We weren't made to die Only happiness was meant to make us cry Starving for a world we've never known We need you back on the throne So, Daddy, don't go Don't ever leave I need you with me I need you here Father, I know That you'll never go Welcome back to Faith FM. 
and we're continuing on with our encountering God. But before we do, let's uh, let's jump into another clue for the quiz. Who am I? Um, the next clue is, man, I'm really surprised that no one hasn't got this. We know that this guy is the first Christian martyr. His clothes were laid at the feet of Saul. And he debated in the synagogue of the free men. And uh, he was one of what was called the original deacons, basically. Um, but we also know that this guy was stoned to death. So if you know who this is, give us a call. 1-800-324-843. And you will get a prize completely for free. Of course, you have to um, answer the quiz. But we have a number of books here. We have a Stones of Eden CD, um, <laughs> The Ministry of Healing in Spanish. If you're Spanish or know someone who's Spanish, you should pick this one up. Patriarchs and Prophets, Images Everything by Dustin Hall. Awesome, awesome books. So give us a call, 1-800-324-843. You'll get that completely for Free. Of course, we are continuing on with our encounter with God, and Lyle would be leading out, but uh, he is uh, not not with us. He's attending to his uh, duties. Um, <laughs> he's not with us because he's att- attending to his duties. So he. Uh, he <laughs> uh, it's just funny how I how I make myself laugh. But of course, before the break, we're talking about the book of Nehemiah. We're talking about Nehemiah himself. He's writing down here. Well, he's he's writing his memoir here. But but um, he's praying this prayer to God upon hearing the news that Jerusalem is just absolutely wrecked at this point in time. The walls being torn down. He's deeply distressed, and he mentions the fact that he is um, just. Yeah, fasting and he's praying. And he makes that point super clearly. He says, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. Um, Lyle brought up the point is, does God need us to fast? Um, you know, and to, I guess, you know, because fasting isn't something that's inherently good for us. In short doses, it's, it is, that's what doctors have found, but fasting isn't something for a long period of time that is good for us. You know, if we don't eat, we, we eventually die. Um, so, you know, is that what God needs from us? Does God need us to, uh, to fast, to, to, to hurt ourselves in, in, for Him to be somewhat appeased? And I've got a, uh, a, a, a puffed out Lyle Southwell sitting beside me. How are you doing, Lyle? Doing much better. Awesome. <laughs> you feel, feel lighter? You've attended feel, to duties? Feeling great. Feeling great. <laughs> awesome. I was just talking about the fact, that the, the point that you made before about how, you know, does God need us to, to fast and to inflict some kind okay, of Okay, I've got some thoughts on ourselves. this I want to share. Okay, And share. this is something that I've shared on occasions before. All right. And that is we have to look at this in the context of the great controversy. Satan claims mm-hmm. this world as our own. He claims it as the place in which he um, has the right because of our choice to demonstrate... Um, to demonstrate uh, to the universe, you know, what his his plans, his ways, you know, etc. are. And so he resists any interference by God. So anytime God comes down here, Satan is always there with an accusation like, get out of my domain. Mm. This is my domain. You said that I could rule here. Well, God didn't really say that, but, you know, this is what, this is the, these are the claims that he makes. Uh, this world has chosen me, therefore you have no right to be here. You are um, enforcing your will. You are doing away with freedom of choice. Wow. Um, all of these kind of things. And when we pray, God can, God can turn around and say, okay, fine. You might feel that way, but I am here by invitation. Mm. When we fast and pray, 
God can say, I'm here by, inv- by invitation and not just by invitation. Look how seriously these people are rejecting yeah. you and calling on me. There's a real kind of nearly social aspect to it at that point, right? Because it's like in the way that like uh, I could imagine if you were having some kind of a, um, a party, right? And there was someone there who didn't like another person there. And they kept pointing out the fact that, oh, no, this, this person shouldn't be here. But then you make the point, oh, no, I really, really want them here. And it's like the lengths that you go to keep them at this particular party that you go out of your way so that you can accommodate them yes. being there. That's social aspect of it you know proves to the other person that okay well yeah yeah because i could say hey you know i I want them here but i'll put them in the back room um or i can say no i really want them here and i will sacrifice whatever it takes to get them here Mm, exactly you know and so it really reveals um it it, it reveals a lot about where your heart is exactly and that was the point that i was going to make before is that fasting isn't necessarily for god but it's for you Yes, it, it, it just puts it really puts you in the right place because it's like fasting is something that yeah it hurts to be that hungry like it's and and when you're in that place you're like I'm doing this for God and what I need now more than ever is God yep. like and it's oh it's such an amazing place to be in in fact Jesus says you know the 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 it's a bit of paraphrasing, but it's, you know, the, the, I guess the, uh, the things that need to, the big miracles. Well, basically the context of the story, Jesus can't start a demon. The disciples can't. They ask him why. And it says this can only be done by prayer and fasting. The reason is God doesn't need our prayer and fasting to gain power. Over, we need to get over ourselves demons, right with God. But we just need to be in the right place. Yeah. And that's what prayer and fasting does. All right, let's move on and let's talk about uh, verse 7. All right, verse 7, the Bible says, We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands and decrees and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Is there any record of Nehemiah having sinned terribly? Not up to Is this Is there point. any record of Nehemiah's family having sinned terribly? Nope. No, you don't find that, but what you find is, once again, a very Daniel-esque prayer. Mm. There's no record, and Daniel, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of Daniel's life is recorded. There's no record of Daniel having sinned terribly. Mm. Now, we know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and so all are sinners, but there's no record of these men, you know, you know doing a David or something like that, or even a Moses mm. and striking a rock twice, um, uh, you know, any of these kinds of things. Those records don't exist, and yet they say we have sinned terribly. Mm. Why do you think that Nehemiah says that? I think he's he's praying corporately. He brings up the the covenant, the covenant, and he doesn't separate himself from his own people. Mm. He's not like, yeah, okay, those people over there. I thank God that I'm not like them. Mm. Um, They've done terrible sins. Please forgive them of their terrible sins. Um, and because I'm the really righteous one here who's yeah. asking for it, uh, maybe you could listen to me because obviously you're not listening to them. You, know, you don't have any of that kind of a prayer coming through here at all, do you? I think he like recognizes himself at this point as a representation, like as a representative of Israel. He's like, look, my people have done the wrong thing, and, and I am a part of that. Like He's like, look, we've, we're, we're the one who have gone astray and made mistakes and have done the wrong thing, and he's... He's he's praying corporately for for the for the forgiveness of that because the covenant, as much as it is an in individual individualistic, in terms of Israel as a whole, like it was for all of Israel, and so he makes his point. It's like look, like if one person sins in Israel, then 
all of Israel has fallen away from the covenant because that's the whole point is that God was trying to strive to have a people who were representatives of him and perfectly reflected him in the world. And so, yeah, he's making this point like, yeah. Verse 8 and 9. The Bible says, Please remember that you told your servant Moses, if you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for you, for for my name, um, to be honored. So once again, holding God to his (laughs) promise. Like, God, you said it, I'm holding you to it. Yeah, it's a good thing. This is why we need to read the Bible. Uh, Verse 11, very quickly, let's finish this prayer. Verse 11, the Bible says, O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those um, of us who delighted in honoring your name. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. And tomorrow we'll find out the king's response. (laughs) Right now we're going to have BJ Thomas. You're listening to Faith FM. Once I stood in the night With my head bowed low In the darkness as black as could be And my heart felt alone And I cried, oh Lord, don't hide your face from me Hold my hand all the way every hour every day from here to the grave I may live in a palace so tall With great riches to call my own But I don't know a thing In this whole wide world That's worse than being
Happy Hearts is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5, designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I came to church a beggar and found I have a savior. So Anna Beaton, and Kemi again. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime event as two of our country's best Christian singer-songwriters come together in concert. October 12th, 6.30 at Maitland SDA Church. Call 0413-122-348 now to book your seat.
back that was lauren daigle a very recognizable voice here on faith fm we have come to our question of the daytime but i do believe lawson somebody has snapped up the prize is that correct oh yes they have someone has uh won the quiz has won the prize greg brown from uh from adelaide he has won so congratulations greg we'll be sending a prize to you um and uh yeah unfortunately that's that's it for the quiz today or do we are we keep that's it, it for the quiz for nah, yeah no we don't really have okay, enough time to start okay, another one okay. so all right oh. oh of course the answer was steven yes steven was the answer um anyways yeah so what's our question of the day lawson our question of the day is why did God, of course, we've just been talking about Nehemiah and exile and all those things. Why did God use exile as, as a punishment for the children of Israel? Yeah, there's kind of two aspects to this question. Uh, first of all, why is God punishing Israel? And secondly, why choose exile rather than a different form of punishment? So let's look at the first part of this question first and, uh, and talk about God's punishment. When you look at the nation of Israel, you have a history, and particularly Judah, because Judah was you know, much more faithful than Israel was. Uh, but Judah sort of does have an up and down relationship with God. But you have a history of uh, faithfulness to God, followed by unfaithfulness, followed by faithfulness, followed by unfaithfulness. It's very much an on again, off again. And it was pretty much like that throughout the entire history of the nation of Israel. Beginning with Abraham, you know, it begins right back there. Sometimes they're with God and sometimes they're not. And then they're in Egypt and they're not with God. And then they come out of Egypt and they're with God. And a couple of days later, they're not with God. And then you come to the time of the judges and, you know, they'll have a good judge and he'll bring them back to God. And then, a, you know, they'll have no judge and they'll drift from God. And, you know, the kings were exactly the same. And so this up and down, up and down experience that the nation is having in their relationship, in their connection with God. And throughout all of this time, God is pouring out his blood, His love. He is pouring out his blessing. Um, he has the sanctuary service there with the symbol of the blood that is telling, you know, exactly the plan of salvation and how much God loves them and how much God cares for them, what God is going to do for them. And, you know, you continue working your way down through that whole system and God is just pouring out blessings, 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 blessings. And it's kind of having no impact. And I've shared this parable before. I'm going to share it again. There was a man one time walking through a city and in this city was a very old and a very tall tower. 
And so he decided to climb to the top of the tower to see the view from the top. And, you know, one of these wooden sort of uh, staircases winding up the tower, and he, he climbs to the top of the tower. But the wooden staircase was very old, and when he gets to the top of the tower, the staircase collapses underneath of him. And so he's got no way of getting back down. And so he then, you know, he needs to catch the attention of the people below so that they can organize a rescue party for him. And he's like, well, you know what? It's not really a problem because I'm a wealthy man. And so he starts to pull out lots and lots of gold coins. And as as he's pulling out these gold coins, he throws them down to the street below to try and catch the attention. Like, this is going to catch some attention. Nothing like a few gold coins to catch attention. It catches attention, all right, and people are running around underneath him picking up the gold coins and all the while they are looking at the pavement where the coins are they're looking at the street and so that's not working and so eventually he's like well that didn't work they're just still looking down um so then he uh he looks around pulls off a brick drops that over the side clonks somebody on the head and they look up to see where the brick came from often when blessings come, we don't look up to see where they come from. It's often the only time we actually look up is when a brick lands on our head. And that's exactly what happened to the nation of Israel. A brick landed on their head and suddenly they're in Babylonian captivity and suddenly they are looking up to God and they are returning to God and they're starting to take notice of what Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel are saying. And as a result of that, they turn back to God and God hears their prayer and they go back from captivity to the promised land. So that's the first aspect of it. The second aspect is, you know, why use exile rather than, say, for instance, plague or other forms of uh, punishment which God could use? Exile is by nature and by history, we know it is a long-term thing where, and, and it has the benefit that, you know, there's not a massive loss of life. Um, and yeah, I, I guess there's probably a whole bunch of different reasons why God chooses that particular form of punishment uh, to catch their attention with, but it was something that God had prophesied long beforehand that uh, would be taking place. Anyway, uh, that is Question of the Day. You're listening to Faith FM. Um, we have the fourth man coming up next. Here is a story from the good book we know A story about a miracle that happened long ago We hope that you'll take courage when temptation you meet There's somebody watching you who's strong when you're weak They wouldn't bear They held on to the will of God so we're told They wouldn't bow They would not bow their knees to the idol made of gold They wouldn't burn They were protected by the fourth man in the fire They wouldn't bend They wouldn't bow They wouldn't burn Now the prophet Daniel tells about three men who walked with God Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Before the wicked king they stood And the king commanded them Bow and thrown in the fiery furnace that day But the fire was so hot That the men were slain Who forced them on their way Now when the three were cast in And the king rose up To witness his awful fate He began to tremble at what he saw And in astonished tones he spake Did we not cast three men Bound into the midst that fire? Well, oh, I see four men unhurt, unbound, and walking down there. There's Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the fiery coals they trod. And the form of the fourth man that I see is like the Son of God. They held on to the will of God, so we are told. They would not bow their knees to the idol made of gold. They were protected by the fourth man in the fire. They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't burn. They wouldn't bend. 
but of God, so we are told They wouldn't bow They would not bow the knees to the idols made of gold They wouldn't burn They were protected by the fourth man in the fire They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't burn That was the Statler Brothers with the fourth man here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of our breakfast show for the day. We are about to give something away, as we always do, mm. because we love you guys. Yes, we and do. Uh, we think you're amazing, all of our listeners. So you get to get a free prize at the very end of the show every day. And what have you got for us there, Lawson? Just be the first caller through on 1-800-324-843. And this is going to be yours. What is it? This is a book. It's called Exodus, The Great Deliverance by E.G. White. And it is an amazing, amazing book. It's an in-depth commentary on the uh, on the story of Exodus, what happens, you know, what are the key events and the themes running throughout. Um, also tackles a little bit, you know, the, the you know, the probability of something like the Exodus story happening and gets in, you know, to the to the historicity of it. It's an amazing, amazing book. So you should give us a call, 1-800-324-843 if you want this book. Of course, you know, Exodus is just an amazing story and I think it's something that, you know, not only, well, it exists even in pop culture. There's been movie, many movies made after it. So you need this book. You need to yes. read this book. You need this book. Give us a call, 1-800-324-843. You'll get a book. Someone needs to make a movie on The Great Return. The great return, like the 40 years. No, the return of the exiles from Babylon. Oh, true. Yeah. Nehemiah. We've got them leaving Egypt to go to the promised land. Now we should have them leaving Babylon to go to the promised land. Mm. And yes. you could have Ezra, Nehemiah, Rubble, um, all of these cool guys that uh, went back there and rebuilt the place. Um, you could have the debate where, you know, Nehemiah gets gets invited to go down to the plane of oh no <laughs> love that place anyway we've got a song coming up um, this one is actually by uh, special request this is Fernando Ortega Jesus lover of my soul we're back in tomorrow
leave me not alone Still support and comfort me All my trust on Thee is stayed All my help from Thee I bring Cover my defenseless head With the shadow of Thy wing Start all I want More than all in Thee I find Raise the fallen, cheer the faint Heal the sick and lead the blind Just and holy is Thy name I am all unrighteousness Again. 
Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime event as two of our country's best Christian singer-songwriters come together in concert. October 12th, 6.30 at Maitland SDA Church. Call 0413-122-348 now to book your seat. If what God has already done isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real. And real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. It's a love song written to us. When we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I wouldn't write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called it a care package there. <laughs> wow. <laughs>